Hello and welcome back to the Grace Fueled Wife Podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Vargas, and as always, I am happy to be back here with you guys this week. And I wanted to give you a little spiritual encouragement, and I wanted to talk to you guys about how I partner with God, three ways that I partner with God in my marriage. So I hope this is going to be helpful to you guys. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reignite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the grace-fueled wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the grace-fueled wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. All right. So I think first, the important thing to notate here when I talk about how I partner with God in my marriage is to realize that not only do I partner with God in these ways in my marriage, but really in anything in life, because I don't know about you, but life is tough. Here we are. I'm sitting in my home office, which is aka a corner of my closet. Outside is a ton of laundry on the bed. My son is watching TV right now because he's home sick. And life always happens, doesn't it? What are we going to do? There's just always something that doesn't go right. I was supposed to have a long, full day today of being able to get some work done and really being productive. And well, guess what? My son woke up not feeling so well. So what are we going to do? Do we sit there and get upset? Do we sit there and feel anxious? Or do we partner with God? So in the same way that I need him to partner in my life and helping me to manage all the things, I need God to help me in my marriage. And the first thing that I do to partner with God in my marriage is this goes down real simple, y'all, but I pray. But I don't just pray for my marriage. I pray for my husband. And the reason why I think it's important to say that is because I didn't always pray for my husband. There was definitely a time where I had a prayer life and just like a lot of other Christians do, we bring our, our lists to God, like our checklists. And that's what I would do. And I would bring him my checklist. And I never thought to pray about my husband in different ways outside of this checklist of things that I wanted God to do for him. But there's so many things now and so many ways that I see my husband that I 
really try to intentionally pray for him. Places where I know if my husband is doing better in this area, our marriage is doing better in this area. A great book for this is The Power of a Praying Wife by Stormy O'Martian. And she goes over several different areas and gives you several different prayers that you could use for your husband. That was one of the books I had recommended on one of my quarterly book reviews. But that book really opened up my eyes to, wow, you know what? You're right. I have not always prayed for him this way. And it did help me to realize in the places where I did start to pray for him really intentionally and with purpose and really thinking about what I was praying for, how the the, the amount of changes that I saw after that were really remarkable. So that's the first way. That's the easy way. Right. We'll hear that a lot. Number two is I look for the Holy Spirit. Now, that might sound weird because the Holy Spirit is always with us. And who doesn't look for the Holy Spirit? We're always looking to be led by the Holy Spirit. But actually, I I just listened to a sermon by, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but his name is Vlad. Safchuk. And the title of the sermon was How to Get to Know the Holy Spirit More Deeply. And it was really profound, I felt. One of the things that he talks about in um, looking for the Spirit is he says that, you know, we're always looking to be led by the Spirit when in actuality, we need to be filled by the Spirit. And he talks about how we can be filled by the Spirit. And uh, he gives this whole analogy of how, you know, if, we, <laughs> if, any, if any of you out there have ever drank alcohol or gotten drunk, you know that that is a decision, right? That's something you have to actually go out and intentionally do. You have to get up out of your house. You have to open the bottle or go to the bar and order something. And then even, even then you have to actually intentionally take it, open your mouth and drink it. And he talks about the Holy Spirit being the same way, meaning that for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to actually go out and look for it. We have to go out and intentionally seek the Spirit. And I thought that was really profound. I highly recommend anyone to listen to the sermon or watch the sermon uh, because it was really profound. I can't do it justice. Obviously, it was 55 minutes long and he worked hard on it. I don't want to try to summarize his sermon, but it was really good. And just the idea of being filled with the Spirit for me has uh, especially lately been so important because what else do we do? How else do we fill ourselves? How else do we give our husbands grace? Not just when they're having a bad day and being cranky, but when we're having a bad day and being cranky. When I'm having a day like I'm having today where nothing seems to be going right. My husband were here. I probably would be cranky with him. And I don't want to do that. He doesn't deserve that from me. My husband and my children, they deserve the best for me of anybody else. And I don't always give them that. And then the way that I can give them that is when I'm intentionally looking to be filled with the Spirit, when I'm intentionally turning around and looking to God and saying, God, I don't have it all together today and I need you. God, I'm a mess today and I need you. God, I'm feeling anxious today and I need you. God, I'm, I'm nervous about a, B, or C, and I need you today. And that has been so helpful for me just to get me through any day. In one of my classes, my professor said to us, she said, if I were not a Christian, I would be an alcoholic, which 
obviously it was a joke, but the, the point of it is, is that she said most people turn to other vices, substances, alcohol, drugs, whatever, to cope with the stresses of everyday life. And us as Christians, we have God right here. We have the Holy Spirit right here, right next to us, available to us at any time. And that can so easily be the place that we turn to as our coping mechanism, right? The place that we turn to when we need to sort things out when we're having a rough day. And in my marriage, I can't expect for my husband to be that person. Sure, at the end of a rough day, he's there and he can give me a hug and tell me, it's okay, babe, it's going to be all right. Or he can, you know, do a number of things to try to help me feel better. But he can't solve all my problems. And God, he wasn't designed to do that. That wasn't God's intention for him in my life. And understanding that, finally getting to the place in my walk where I understand that now and I can look to him for, you know, some kind of physical comfort, look to him as a friend that I can turn to, but know that in reality, the person who's going to fix all the the stuff, dark, broken, hard things on the inside is God. Because what happens on the days when you and your husband are not in a close place, or for those of you who you and your husbands are not in a place where you're speaking, or maybe he's not even sleeping in the same bed with you. What are you going to do then? Does that mean that you have nothing else? No, that is the reason why we go to the Holy Spirit for comfort. We go to God for comfort. And understanding that point has been transformational for me because it means that whether or not my husband is there to give me a hug, I know God is there to give me a hug. And again, like I said at the beginning of this episode, the way I deal with life, <laughs> that these three steps that I'm giving you, this is how I deal with life in general, not just my marriage. I'm just relating it to your marriages for you for sake of this podcast, but understand that this applies really in any way. And lastly, the third way that I partner with God in my marriage is I stand on his promises. I stand on his word. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he do when the devil came to him with lies? He just repeated God's words back because the devil came to him with, well, God's word says this. And Jesus came back with, okay, but God's word also says this. So it's like every time that the enemy might put an idea in your head or make you feel discouraged or you're just in general feeling discouraged. I don't like to give the enemy credit for everything in life. He doesn't deserve the credit for everything. But just understanding that whatever it is, we can turn to God's word for answers, for comfort, and stand on his promises because God does not lie. And we can say, okay, God, you know, I'm praying these promises and I am praying these verses. And within actually within the Grace Fueled Marriage Method, I have a section in there uh, filled with verses and promises for your marriage. And I've actually pulled out my favorite, my top 10 favorite ones that are available to you guys. You can just download them for free, have them, keep them, think about them. And I'll, I'm going to give you my uh, three favorite ones right now and just know that there's seven others in there for you if you want to go through them. And what I wanted to point out is not all of these verses are specifically about marriage, but it's about something so much 
deeper. So when we're able to pick something out and stand on that and say, God, your word says this, and this is how it applies to my situation right now, and I'm believing you for it, then how could we continue to be discouraged if we really are truly believing? And I'll give you the first one. The first one says, and this is from Luke 18, and that's verse six through seven. It says, then the Lord said, so learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So surely don't you think God will give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And just for context in that verse, I wanted to tell you what was happening. So in this verse, we are hearing about a judge and the judge is described as someone who neither feared God nor cared what the people thought. And in this situation, a widow in the town, she keeps coming to him and she's saying, please grant me justice against my adversary. And the judge said, no, he wasn't listening to her and he was not granting her justice. But it implies that the widow was persistent. And it says, but finally, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or care what the people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see to it that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, the idea is that if we keep coming to God, he is going to answer. Jesus tells another story and another, um, I forget exactly where the verse is, but it basically is a story about a friend. If, if you knock on the friend's door at the middle of the night, the friend's probably not going to answer it, right? <laughs> and, you know, let's say you needed to borrow his coat or something like that. You knock on his door in the middle of the night, your friend is not going to answer. But if you are persistent, eventually the friend is going to give you what you want, not for friendship's sake, but just to like shut you up. Um, is is kind of how he says it. And it's this idea that if we keep asking God, right? Because if we keep asking people, people will eventually give in, just like my son. If I say no to him, he says, please, mommy, please. And it's really hard to say no to my son. I don't know if you, any of you have that problem, but he can be really persuasive when he wants to. And he's really persistent. Uh, it, it ends up being that I have a hard time saying no. And sometimes I just, I find myself having to be like, getting mean. Oh, mommy, you're mean. But really getting tough with him because he is so persistent. And the idea is that if we come to God in persistence, God will grant us what we are asking for. He will give us the justice that we are looking for. And that's why I love this verse, because even the unjust judge eventually gave justice to this widow. So how much more is God going to give justice to us? Now, when I think of this, as it relates to life, it's pretty easy to see the application. But as it relates to our marriages, so many times we feel like, well, this isn't fair. Or, you know, maybe you feel like you're carrying a heavier burden or you feel like you need to defend yourself or you find yourself mentally in a space of fighting, even if you're not fighting. I don't know if this is anybody else, but this is certainly me. This is, And this goes, again, way back to family of origin stuff where I always felt like I had to fight for mine. I mean, I'm the oldest of nine children. Let me tell you. <laughs> Nothing was given to me. Everything was earned. Everything I ever got I had to fight for. And so now coming into marriage, you know, with this wonderful husband, 
who has his own stuff going on. And, you know, now we come into this marriage and, and I so often feel like I need to fight to get my way. I need to fight to get what I want. But that's not what a marriage is about. A marriage is a partnership. A marriage is a team and a house divided up against itself cannot stand. So, so often I find myself needing to step back and stop the fight and understanding it's, it's not okay to fight in this instance. And that is where I stand on this verse that God is going to give me justice. It doesn't mean I'm going to get my way, but it does mean that justice will prevail in this situation. Number two, another beautiful verse that I often stand on in my marriage is, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. And that is out of Ezekiel eleven nineteen. How many of you have ever felt, either yourself have felt a stony, stubborn heart against your husband or felt like he has had a stony, stubborn heart towards you. I don't know about you, but that has been the most, the deepest, most hurtful place for me. And so often I pray this to God. We don't go through it very much anymore, but every now and then I'll notice my heart will harden towards my husband and vice versa. His heart will harden towards mine. Now, again, for context in this verse, it's not talking about marriage. God is talking about the people of Israel towards their God. But it's this understanding this this new spirit and the stony, stubborn heart and asking God to give my husband a tender and responsive heart. Even that may not even be towards me. Sometimes I find that my husband will have a stony, stubborn heart towards the Lord. And I, I want him to change that. Or somebody else in my life, a family member even, might have a stony, stubborn heart towards the Lord. And I will pray this verse over them and ask God to change their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. I truly, truly love this verse. Okay, last one of my favorite Bible verses that I keep on my wall. I have a, a little panel on my wall where I keep some of my favorite verses and this is the last one. And that one is, and this is the message version. I'm going to give you guys the message version because I, I like the way it puts it. And the last one is out of Ephesians. That's going to be Ephesians 4 verse 3. And that says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I love this verse because I feel like it gives us compassion. I feel like it is pulling us to a place of empathy and compassion. Uh, the other day, my daughter was telling me a story of a bully at school. And let me tell you, I hear about somebody bullying my daughter. And, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, girl, you know, you get this, you get this worldly idea of like, come on, you got to kick her butt. Like, let's kick her butt. This girl's still bothering you. This girl's still bullying you. But that's not the kind of posture that we can take anymore, right? That this is this is not VC anymore. This is not 1995B. You can't take off your hoop earrings and go, you know, go tell something to this this little girl. And uh so how I told my daughter to handle it instead was we talked about it. And I happen to know, my daughter happens to know that this little girl has some really tough things going on at home. 
Her parents are not there for her. They pretty much neglect her. And uh, she's living a tough life. And I told her, wow, how sad for her, the life that she lives. Imagine living in a home with a home life that she has. Imagine what that might do to you. Now, that doesn't excuse the way she treats my daughter, doesn't excuse the way she talks to my daughter, but it does change the heart posture a little bit. It does help one to be a little less angry at her and help one to be maybe a little bit more understanding and compassionate where we can think about, man, what must this hurt little girl be going through on a daily basis that would cause her to treat other people in this way, especially when we have a window into what goes on into her life. And that's the reason why I love this particular verse about being humble and gentle and patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults, because let me tell you, this girl got a lot of faults, but at the same time, so does my daughter. And if we can make allowance for those faults, if we can be humble and gentle with our thoughts and gentle with our words, then it will, like I said, change our heart posture from a place of, well, I'm going to go fight her to a place of, I'm going to pray for her. And if that can happen in real life, if that can change the heart of a mother, somebody trying to protect her child, you know, or a child trying to protect themselves from a bully, how much more how much more good can it do in your own marriage when you think about your husband? When your husband says the thing that's cutting or he does the thing that triggers you and that's rude and you want to tell him off, if we replace our initial reaction with a response and understand that our response be one of humility and gentleness, really making allowance for his faults because we understand we're not going to, it's not an excuse rather an explanation and understanding that the place that he comes from is a hurt little boy because he had all these things go on in his life when he was maybe four or five, six years old, whatever it is. He had all these things go on in his life that caused him to behave the way he's behaving right now. And we can, in turn, instead of re reacting in a way that surely I'm good at reacting, surely I'm good at doing the blow up. But instead of doing that, I can come to him in a place of response, in a place of response of humility and gentleness and saying, okay, God, I'm going to let you handle that in him right now. And I'm going to set my boundary because I, I will not allow myself to be abused, talked to that way, walked all over. But I can certainly see him in a different light. And I can certainly see him the way God sees him. It is so amazing how we can take these verses that have nothing to do with marriage, because guess what? There are tons of, well, the one in Ephesians um, does have to do with marriage, but there's a ton of verses in the Bible that speak specifically on marriage. But it's so amazing how we can take different ones and apply those to our marriages in different situations. So if you liked any of this, then Go ahead and check out my favorite scriptures on marriage. You can find that at marriagescriptures.gr8.com. That's the number eight. So that's marriagescriptures.gr8.com. And you can download them for free. Just go in there, download them all, check them out. If you have questions or you want to know, hey, how does 
this scripture relate to marriage or how do you think this scripture relates to marriage? Let's have a conversation about it. Jump into my Facebook group and say, hey, I downloaded your marriage scriptures and I had a question about number 10 or number five or number four, or let me ask you, why did you choose number one? I love to have conversations with my listeners about this. So feel free. I hope this was helpful to you guys. It was really helpful to me to even go through this exercise and think about what are some of my favorite verses and why. Until next week, I love you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, love, thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.